Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Well, it is, uh, I say, wonderful being with you, and I don't, that's not a overstatement of anything. Um, Hope Church uh, is the church in town. When I think of like churches that are on mission and that I respect and, uh, and I say this without any exaggeration and truly love Danny and uh, what I know of everything that's going on here. It's a thrill and joy and honor to be with you here today. And uh, a couple things about like when I first getting to know Danny, our names are the same. So you have double Danny names. We have daughters uh, that were in the same dance uh, company, so we'd see them dancing at the various performances and rehearsals. We both owned a 66 Mustang. I should say uh, I still own mine, but mine caught on fire recently, and that's a whole other story, but Danny still has his, and we're both drummers, so we've had a lot of things in common that way, and then most importantly was our faith in Jesus, and that we both were church planters. Uh, we started Vintage Faith Church church 16 years ago and so a lot in common and it's a total total joy to be here and I'm just thrilled and so I hope this morning is encouraging to you now what I'm going to talk about we're in a series called why I still believe and what I'm going to do this morning is to be saying two statements about why I believe and then I'm going to walk those through with some scripture and some reasons so I'm going to now state Two things about why I still believe. Now, number one is I still believe because the Bible itself, like this Bible, encourages us to question, examine, and test the teaching and truths of Christianity, and they always prove reliable. I'm going to focus mainly on that one in the time that we have here. But again, a reason that I believe, the first one, one is the Bible itself encourages us, encourages us to question, examine, and test the teaching and truths of Christianity, and they always prove reliable. And the second reason why I believe is that following Jesus changes my life in ways that I don't believe could happen by human effort or by coincidence. So I'll be walking through those two reasons why I believe and focus mainly on the first one. So to start out, I want to just bring up, if you notice actually in those two things, the first one is more about thinking and the mind for reasons to believe. And the second is more about experiences and emotions. And if you look at Jesus and his, when he spoke about the greatest commands, and in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 and 38, you'll actually see that he breaks things down a little bit about how do we even love God? And he says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all your soul. And that's pretty much our emotions. And the second is with all of your mind. So there's thinking involved. So loving in God, loving God involves our heart and our emotions, and it involves our minds too. So, and then it says, this is the first and greatest commandment. So, You'll see what I'm going to talk about. Again, two parts. 
believing with our minds, and then our emotions. So uh, the first thing I want to do is share a little bit, it's a little bit about my background, because whenever you have somebody speaking, if you don't know the person, you know, where we come from does uh, impact our lives and what we're doing. And I was not raised a Christian. I was in Paramus, New Jersey. It's like right near New York City. So it was like a subculture um, into itself. If anybody knows like the Sopranos or my parents were very much like the Seinfeld parents. If anybody knows the TV show Seinfeld, like that's not an exaggeration. That was kind of the world that I grew up in. But I wasn't raised a Christian. And at one point, somebody gave me a, a Bible. And I was a junior hire, I believe, at the time. And I was given this Bible. You know, and it looked like a kind of a regular sort of Bible. It was black, uh, and it had gold, you know, edges on it. And I didn't know, they didn't say, like, here's what you do with it, or here's how to read it. I didn't know anything about it. So I remember, like, cracking it open and feeling the pages sort of separate. And what occurred was I saw, you know, bits and pieces of it, and there was a red dragon in the book of Revelation, because everybody wants to jump to Revelation, because I knew, like, Antichrist and stuff was there from seeing the Omen, the movie and stuff. So uh, I looked up, like there's a red dragon. I remember seeing demons. There's like, uh, not seeing demons, but seeing demons in, in the scriptures. I then uh, was reading about like, you know, there's epic battles in there. And it was very confusing to me. And so I couldn't really understand it. And I very... Uh, I remember this so well. I'm like, where do I put this Bible? And I put it on my bookshelf right between Lord of the Rings, because I was reading Lord of the Rings, and Bram Stoker's Dracula, because it was like kind of like spooky, magical, you know, bats, vampires, you know, and there's dragons. So I'm like, all right, somewhere in there, I thought the Bible was sort of, you know, a, a, some sort of fantasy book. There's all different religions, and I put it there. So I left it there. Then through time, I got to Colorado State State University uh, to go to school. And this is really important. I had no Christian friends. I had no uh, parents that were saying, you need to go to church or find a group or something. I had no, no influence like that. And then one day, near the beginning of the school year, the uh, campus clubs put out tables to promote their groups. And there was a Christian group that had little pamphlets out on the table. And one of these pamphlets, and I remember like looking at it and picking it up, and it was something like, in fact, uh, on the screen, the, I ju we just put a photo up of Colorado State University. Like that is the plaza where these tables were. And these pamphlets were something like the ones that you'll see. It said something like Jesus is the only way, or there's only one way to God. It was one of those kind of pamphlets. And I picked it up and I remember reading it and seeing verses in written out Bible verses, like in Acts chapter four, verse 12, when it says salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And I remember reading that one. And then here's another one, John 14, verse 6. This is Jesus. This is a pretty well-known verse where it says, Jesus answers, answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I had no like you know, religious anything in me. 
But I remember standing there with this pamphlet, looking at this thing saying, I had no idea that Christians believe that they were the only way to have access to God. I think at that time I probably believed in some sort of God. I didn't, I wasn't atheist, uh, so I wasn't close to um, any type of belief. I assumed there was some sort of God or some sort of being or something out there, but I never thought about it much. But having, reading these verses to hear that Christians claimed, that this Bible claims that there's only one way to have access to this God, and that's this person, Jesus. Now, I don't know why, but I could not shake that. I think it was because I was thinking of the ramifications of it if, I was, if, if this was true. And I wasn't a philosopher. I was not like, uh, I really wasn't seeking things out. It was just like, is this really what they believe? But then I started thinking, if it really is what they believe, holy smokes, like that means that all of these other religious writings that are out there, right? and I never studied world religions, but I did have enough knowledge to know there's Hindus and there's Muslims and there's variations that would probably call themselves Christians, like Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, all of these different things with all of their own sacred documents. And I'm like, that's meaning that this one is the only right one? And then I started thinking about like global religions, you know, and the statistics of this pie chart that's up there. You know, it says that basically Christianity is about a third of the world faith, and therefore two thirds of the world doesn't have true access to God. Like, I, I couldn't shake that. It was sort of a, if this is true, like, this is pretty serious. I'm like, how can this be true? And here's what happened. Like, I, I don't know why I only can credit that it was God, me as a young guy, 18, 19 years old, saying like, is this God, is this true? Like maybe a, a cry out in that way. And then him answering me because I then wanted to know more. And I went to a bookstore and I bought a Bible and then I started buying about a book of things on world religions and then I bought uh, some other books about what Christianity was and I started reading these books and I'm like, huh, like I didn't know they believe this or what's this like it was all brand new to me. And then I had a very interesting encounter that was very life changing, though most of them, I'm still friends with a couple of them, don't uh, know the significance of what happened this one particular, I think it was an afternoon, I got home and walked in and I could hear uh, like they stopped talking. And I'm like, what? Like it's one of these things when you walk in the room and you know that somebody, they're talking about you. And I'm like, what's going on? And, uh, and they said, Dan, we're concerned about you. And I'm like, why? And they said, you're reading, we see that you're reading a Bible, we see that you're reading you know, this Christian stuff, and we're concerned um, because it's, you know, isn't Christianity a cult? Uh, and like a cult. And like, well, you know, that you believe in some guy that died and came back to life, and one day you're going to float in the air and meet him, or, you know, and, and there's all this end time stuff about end times battles, and you want Armageddon, and I'm like, I don't know, I'm just trying to read about, like, who's Jesus and what's this about? And uh, they said, you're going to lose your intelligence. Um, you're going to lose, one of them said, I remember who she was, she's like, you're going to lose your creativity. Uh, and they were, they were concerned that I could be joining some sort of cult. 
And if you're a Christian here, like never forget how really amazingly strange the things that we believe are. You know, the crux of our faith, even in a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. We believe, you know, I'd die for this, that Jesus, that because I believe it, that he died and he came back to life right there. That's a very significant, very strange thing to believe. But we believe it's true. But I was then t asked by my friends, how, you aren't, we're worried about you. That, that didn't leave me. And I'm like, man, how do I know I'm not joining a cult? How do I know this is true? Um, how do I know this is what to believe or not? And my adventure then continued because then I'm like, I better really look into this. I don't want to join no cult. I don't want to be, lose my creativity or become homogeneous or something. Like, these are the things they're saying. So I was in a band at the time, and after we graduated, uh, Colorado State University. We moved to London, England, and I was playing in a, a punk band there. We were playing rockabilly and punk music, and um, and I was reading my Bible. And I'm going to make a long story short and just say, by chance, but I don't think it was chance. I think it could have been coincidence. I believe God was behind this because uh, there's good reasons to believe this. But I walked by a tiny little chapel uh, in downtown London, and they said Bible study today. It was a lunch meeting. And I'm like, all right, I got a Bible, a little Bible. And I was walking by. I'm like, let me peek in. And I opened up the wooden door. I've gone back there since and walked into this little tiny church. And there was three elderly people sitting in a little circle. And I remember when I looked in, I'm like, oh, no. Like, and I wanted to just say, like, oops, wrong room, like, and just leave, because I wasn't expecting um, you know, three elderly people in this kind of awkward space. But the one guy, and his picture's now going to be up on the screen, was named Stuart Allen. He was 82 years old. And he looked up at me with a twinkle like in his eye. He's like, here for the study. And if he didn't say that, I would have bolted. I would have been saying, oops, wrong room. Because he said it so nicely, I'm like, OK. And I sat down. And then the reason the Ovaltine's up there is he offered me Ovaltine. Like, here, have this. I'm like, what is it? He's like, Ovaltine. And I'm like, OK. And I drank it really fast because I was nervous. And he pours me a second cup. And then I drank that one fast, too, because I was nervous. And he was looking at his friend smiling. And then I'm, I had this thought of, like, what if I did just walk into a cult? And they just put something strange in this Ovaltine. And I'm going to wake up in the basement to this church chained up with elderly people poking at me with sticks or something like I didn't know what was going on but it just happened that they liked Ovaltine and they were sharing it with me but I always think of them with Ovaltine but uh, what he did was he ended up uh, he didn't judge me for the way I looked I mean my hair was three times higher and I was wearing you know skulls and all kinds of stuff and and he never judged me for the way I looked and here's something he did he taught me it was good to ask questions and I was reflecting back on my friend saying, like, you know, you're a cult. You're going to get brainwashed. I'm like, wait a minute. This guy's telling me it's good to ask questions. And in this specific little church, they actually call themselves like they were Bereans. I'm like, what's a Berean? And when you look at um, in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, this was a verse that they used a lot in this church. And it was Paul who used to not believe in Jesus. Then he became a believer in Jesus. Then he was telling others about him. And then God was using him out there to talk to others about Jesus. And he was going to different cities. And one of them was a city named Berea. And another one was Thessalonica. So he's talking about the Christians and, or the people in Berea. And he says this in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. It says, now the Berean Jews were more noble 
character, of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, because they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now, think of this, like this is saying in the scriptures themselves, testing to see if what the teaching was was true was actually seen as a noble thing. Question asking was encouraged, right? So, um, and it wasn't just there. You'll see this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, 20, uh, verses 20 and 21. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, through human, sp though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And if you do a study, you'll find out that the Bible claims that the Holy Spirit used human beings to write down what we have here. That's what this is talking about. But then, again, what we see in 1 Thessalonians and another place in chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, it says about these prophecies, and you can look at the, the prophetic words that were being written down in Scripture at the time, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. So here you go again. Christianity is putting, it's saying, test it. See if it's true. In fact, in other parts of the Bible, it says if a prophecy is made and it doesn't come true, that's then not from God. Don't listen to that prophet. Because if prophecy is being made, then it should be coming true, right? Because, and it says test it. So I, I remember reading this and being encouraged because, okay, hey, if Christianity was a cult, it would never say test it because cults normally say don't question things and don't read outside literature. And then I started learning everything about Christianity saying if something is true, there's no reason then to compare it to other world faiths or compare it to anything or have it ever put it to the test because it even says put it to the test and you will see that it is truth. And I remember this and again, I, uh, you could spend messages just on what I'm about to say now, but I end up going through a deep dive and to look at how, how do I trust this? You have all of these other things that are claiming to be from God. How do I know this is the true one? And I'm just going to give you a list. And, um, and there's lots of other types of books and resources to really read these through. But I'm like, all right, if this is really from God and it's saying test it, I want to look at reasons why it's, we can believe it's true. And I learned that the Bible itself, it lines up with archaeological evidence. And, and I can just tell you that um, there's been so much criticism to say, like, look, of course it's not the word of God. Uh, you can disprove it. But here, and like, you know, they, they used to say, well, there was no record of uh, Caiaphas. He was a high priest at the time of Jesus. So he didn't exist. It was just made up. Certainly in 1990, they found record that Caiaphas existed. Uh, for years, they're saying you couldn't, Pontius Pilate was such a major figure in the New Testament story of Jesus, and they would be saying, uh, there's no Pontius Pilate, you see it's fake. And then what did they do? 1961, in, up in a place called Caesarea in contemporary Israel, they uncovered something that had the name of Pontius Pilate in it. What you'll see is that the evidence, there are things yet they haven't discovered, but what you'll see is there's nothing to then disprove it. I'm like, all right, there's evidence to give credibility to this, because there's many other documents in religious faith that talk about places and people, and there's never any record, but you'll always see that eventually the scriptures show that 
but there's records of these things being historical. Also, we learn like the Bible, when you look into this, it hasn't been changed much from the originals. We have over 25,000 bits and pieces. We don't have the original scriptures, but we got over 25,000 different pieces of the scriptures over the first couple hundred years that they piece all together. And the more they have, they can see what the original probably was. And there's really great reasons by people. That's why people can't criticize the scriptures as not being authentic, because it's about 96% plus they think what God wrote in the original through people is what we have today. And then they'll say, well, there's contradictions. And when you do look at the contradictions, there were some manuscript errors that were made through time, but none of them were about uh, you know, anything theologically significant. Instead of like you know, the number 15,000, it might have been 5,000, or a different word for light was used. It doesn't mean it's wrong. There were, but there was just a, some inaccuracies in some of the uh, copying over all the years. But nothing major. Uh, and that's, again, to even just compare it to ancient literature, the scriptures have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more reasons to even say what we have is so close to the original. Again, each of these I could speak an hour on. One last one is just that the Bible, this is so important, when it prophesies things, it's true. It comes true. Um, there's so many prophecies, even just looking at Jesus. You know, he was going to be born of a virgin, hinted about in the book of Isaiah. He was born of a virgin. He was going to be born in Bethlehem. 700 years earlier, they're prophesying this. He was born in Bethlehem. He was gonna, they talked about someone living a sinless life back in the book of Isaiah again. Um, yes, he was born. He had a sinless life. He, there's indication he was going to be crucified in the book of Isaiah and the book of Zechariah. And certainly the Messiah that was predicted ended up being crucified. Again, so many things I could talk about. But through this, like, I don't want to believe something that's not real. That started adding up and adding up and adding up in my life to then see, boy, there's good reasons to believe this is true. And then I, when I was, the more I got to know Jesus, he saw the scriptures as being true. And he was reading them, quoting them, and I'm just like, boy, um, quoting what they had at the time, because not the New Testament was written, obviously, after him, but he was reading the Old Testament, and I'm like, at some point, I ended up believing. And see, there's the mind part of it, and then there's also, you know, the heart, and I'll close with that, but I want to just go back to that question that I started with. You know, what about all these world religions and all of those things? Because that was my kind of big puzzle. I'm like, well, there's so many world religions, and don't they all just end up being the same? Like, you know, that's the most commonly thought of thing today. It's like, well, it doesn't matter what you believe. They all kind of end up in the same place. You know, Oprah Winfrey, uh, just going to use Oprah for a quote uh, in the book of Oprah. It says, one of the biggest mistakes we make is to believe that there is only one way. There are many diverse paths leading to God. I'll bet you if we ask people around town, you know, so many would just say, yeah, that sounds great. That's probably true. So I'm thinking, like, is that true? Remember my entry into faith from that little pamphlet? So I started playing this out in my mind and thinking this through and then reading, do all paths lead to God? 
So like there's the mountaintop, the picture like there's God on the top, and then these paths of like all paths leading to God. And so for an illustration, I just took three, you know, major world faiths and I put you know, Hinduism, Christianity, and Islam kind of like going up the mountain and there they are up at the mountaintop and they all get to the same place eventually. Now, what I want to say is that at a base level, and this is what I think most people who make that claim understand, is that there are some common teachings in all world faiths, such as love your neighbor as yourself. You will see that taught in almost every world faith. So there's actually some truths in all different beliefs and world faiths out there. But that's at a base level. When you start like kind of digging deeper and then kind of going further up the mountain towards whatever's at the top, what you'll find is that they're totally, totally different. They absolutely contradict each other. They're so far different. Like um, here's the, up on there, when you go to the mountaintops, like Hinduism, there's sort of this molt, this like overarching one uh, presence, but there's many, many, there's thousands of gods where God says there's just one. So they're by no means the same at the end. You look at uh, Christianity and God is Father, Son, and Spirit. You look at Islam and Jesus was just a prophet. Surely, I mean, absolutely, he was not the Son of God or God incarnate like we believe Jesus was. So you get up to the mountaintops, there are three entirely different mountaintops. You see, to say they all, you'll all end up in the same place, all these diverse, diverse paths lead to the same God in the end, then you haven't studied them because you might, again, think it's nice, but if you really study them, you will find that they lead to entirely different mountaintops. They are, they are contradictory. So either God's a liar and he's saying one thing about himself here and one thing, that wouldn't make sense because then God in all the faith would say he's not a liar. So it wouldn't make sense. So it can't be, you know, as I wish Oprah was right here. I'd sit her down like, hey, Oprah, like I'll draw this out to her and say like, hey, you know, let's play this out. Like, you know, you're saying this, but let's like draw it out and let's look at some of the beliefs and they can all lead to the same place. Uh, and so from this, though, then it comes down to, okay, then either one of these is true and the rest are wrong or they're all wrong and there's something else, right? That's the only options. Either one is true and the rest are wrong or they're all wrong and, uh, and there must be something else then. And for me, then it comes back and for millions of others throughout history since Jesus, then it comes down to, well, we believe that this God communicated to us about who he was and about life, uh, death, future, purpose, meaning, ethics, morals, how we are to live this life if we're following him and about Jesus and about that he died, went to the cross, took on our sin, rose again from the dead. And like, and there's reasons to believe this is true. And there's, so there's, uh, intelligent, rational reasons to believe. And you can test the scriptures. And I can tell you that was really important because I can look at my friends now. In fact, two of my friends have become followers of Jesus over the years since. Um, not all of them, but two of them have. You know, and it's just knowing that this is true. I didn't join a cult. Um, you can test it, you know, so don't worry about me. I'm still, I still can be creative. Uh, I didn't cut my hair all off or, you know, or something. So it's kind of like you can believe in Jesus and still, uh, and still be a thinking, rational Christian person and always be testing truth. And it's good to do so and ask questions. Always be asking questions. 
And then the second thing, which I'll just close up here with, is that you know there is the emotions. And this is subjective because you can, you know, you can buy a pillow. You see them on TV, like buy this pillow, and your life will be changed. You know, and you'll be peaceful during the day, and your kids will get better grades if you buy this pillow or something. Like you know, there's there's a lot of stuff out there that says if you do this, your life will be changed. And there are helpful things out there, and your life will be changed. But what I can say is that then you have truth, and then you wrap it into uh, then that truth then isn't just intellectual, it then does change. And when, I, when you go through difficult things, you have the peace of God and his spirit that surpasses understanding to help you through. You see God, when you're praying, intervening in things in such ways that sometimes you can say it could be coincidence. But boy, coincidence after coincidence after coincidence, and you're seeing God respond and then answering in prayers. And then maybe sometimes he doesn't answer a prayer. And then later on, like at first you go like, why? And then later on you go like, that's why. Thank you. You know, like you see these things about God uh, interacting with us on a regular basis. And, and, you know, and so I think if you, for me, why I believe is you fuse together that the Bible itself encourages us to question, examine, test the teaching and the truth of Christianity, and it's always proven reliable. That's why I love the scriptures, man. I want to be, have this in my mind and then have it affect me and know God all the more. And that's why I love the scriptures so much. And then I also uh, believe, I still believe, believe because following Jesus changes my life. Uh, it's not just head knowledge. God's spirit is in us and changes us and helps us in good times and bad times. And, and all I can say is that uh, that's why I still believe. And I, um, you know, 16 years ago, we started Vintage Faith Church. Danny and the team started this church years ago. Like, we want to tell people about this life-changing Jesus. We want to tell people that this is true. This is true. Uh, and, and Jesus is real. And it's not just a fictitious hope. You know, there's rational reasons to believe this is the living word of God and if you put your faith in him his spirit indwells in us and he changes us and that's why I still believe we hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God the cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone there are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope we'd love to help you find Hope please check out discoverhope.church click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.